Well, I want to say good morning, and uh, for those who will be watching on TV, it's just not been a great weekend weather-wise, and uh, I'm grateful for all of you who have come out. And those who are watching online, I'd encourage you to get on out anyway. I was telling Teresa today, she started laughing. I said, you know, here's what's going to happen. People are going to wake up. <clears throat> In fact, we were watching the weather on, on one of the local stations, and, and one of the reporters made this statement, we're out here so you don't have to get out here. And I said, well, thanks a lot. That's a big help for me. And I told Teresa, I said, now there'll be people that will get up and they'll say, oh, it's just so bad. We'll just kind of stay home and kind of be safe. And I said, about two o'clock, they'll get stir crazy and they'll think, well, we'll venture out and get something to eat. So, uh, you know, I'm just glad you ventured out. I'm glad you came and uh, we're grateful that you're here. Before I get started, I, I do want to emphasize one thing. I hope you'll get a lot of these on your way out. These are our invitations both to our Christmas series and our Christmas Eve services. This is, along with Easter, the golden time of the year to invite people to church. More people are open to church this time of year than any other time of the year. Please don't waste the next two weeks. Please don't do that. Please take these cards, give them out wherever you go. <clears throat> I don't think I've hardly missed a day, hardly last week, inviting somebody to our Christmas services, and I hope that you'll do the same. Well, there are certain things that um, kind of recur over and over in life. And frankly, I get very tired of them. And I'm sure those of you who are watching at Mill Creek, you will agree with this. Those who are watching online, those who are watching by TV, uh, there are just certain things I just get tired of and I can't help it, okay? And I'm not trying to gripe or complain, but let me give you an example. I get tired of elections. I just do. I mean, it, it seems like about the time I watch all these political ads and I vote for a set of candidates, there's either a runoff and I gotta do it again, or you turn around, there's another set of candidates, and now you know you're going through the same cycle of endless debates, personal attacks, and political advertising. And I don't mind telling you, I have election fatigue, okay? I'm tired of elections. I get tired of paying taxes. Now, now, hear me, I'm grateful I live in America, and I'm thankful for the privilege of paying taxes in this nation, but does it seem to you about the time you file your taxes, it's time to file them again? I mean, it just time flies, and I, I get tired of paying taxes. I get tired of traffic. Living in Atlanta like we do, there are certain times of the day that you can literally become a prisoner in your own neighborhood. I mean, it's amazing. By the way, let me tell you this. If anyone lives more than two miles from you and they either tell you early in the morning or late in the afternoon, I'll be over in just a little while, you know they're lying. Okay, you just know that. I get tired of answering email. Now, if you're like me, that's the one thing you can't take a vacation from. <clears throat> you can't get away from it. If you ever try to get away from it, you come back, you have to come back to it. And then you're so stressed out, you really need to go back on vacation. Get tired of it. But can I tell you what I get tired of more than anything else in life? I get tired of the Kardashians. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, everywhere you look, you see the Kardashians, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, television, magazines. Kim Kardashian posted another selfie. Khloe Kardashian lost weight. 
Kourtney Kardashian is pregnant. I get so tired of the Kardashians. I've been having trouble sleeping at night. I, I get the shakes and I call my doctor. He told me I've got Kardashian withdrawal pains. I mean, I get tired of the Kardashians. I'm sorry I do. But there's one thing I never get tired of. I never get tired of Christmas. Never. I never get tired of the Christmas story. I never get tired of hearing Christmas carols. I never get tired of watching Christmas specials. I never get tired of buying Christmas gifts. I never get tired of Christmas decorations. I never get tired of the Christmas season. I never get tired of preaching uh, about who Christmas is all about, the Lord Jesus. As a matter of fact, I often wonder this time of year, how many people, even church-going people, how many people really, truly, honestly, totally understand what Christmas is all about? So I came up with this idea I said, I think I'm gonna do a series. I'm gonna call it Christmas Unwrapped. And we're gonna begin that series today because before we unwrap Christmas gifts, I believe we need to unwrap the meaning of Christmas. Before we unwrap Christmas gifts, let's unwrap the true gift of Christmas. So we're gonna enter into a three-week study that you might wanna call Christmas 101. And there are gonna be three classes. Today's the first day of class. And we're gonna to study today what I call Christmas biology. Next week, we're going to talk about Christmas theology. <clears throat> and then the next week, we're gonna talk about Christmas doxology. But today, I wanna to begin with that one part of Christmas that truly makes Christmas Christmas. And that is the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, if you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to the very first gospel. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They begin the New Testament. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter one. It's very interesting. When you read the four gospels, two gospels don't even mention the virgin birth, but two do. Mark doesn't mention it. John doesn't mention it. But Matthew does and Luke does. What really fascinates me is that Luke talks about it. You say, well, why? Because Luke was a doctor. If anybody knew anything about how children come into this world, it was a doctor. But Dr. Luke talks at length about the virgin birth. And both accounts, Matthew and Luke, are very clear and very unequivocal. Jesus' birth was not an ordinary birth. He was not an ordinary baby. And his conception did not come about in an ordinary way. Now, we Christians believe that his mother Mary was a virgin prior to what we call the divine conception. We're guilty of that. We believe Mary was a virgin. And the narratives are very plain. When you read the story of Christmas, here's what you find out. Jesus had an earthly mother, but he had a heavenly father. And every Christmas, two billion people around the world come together and they celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not just because he was born, but how he was Conceive. Now, you can imagine, particularly if you're today and you're not a follower of Jesus, or <clears throat> maybe you don't know very much about the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Christmas story, you can just imagine that uh, the virgin birth remains a very controversial 
topic. As a matter of fact, it is the second most controversial, controversial, uh, controversial miracle in all of history. Number one would be, of course, the resurrection of Jesus. But then number two would be the virgin birth of Jesus. So there are really two controversies about Jesus. How did he come into this world and how did he come back from the dead? And so as you could imagine and you could expect, the virgin birth has been under attack from scientists and, and, and physicians and, and philosophers and people who simply say, look, just use common sense. If that girl was a virgin, she could not have conceived that baby. And because she conceived a baby, she could not be a virgin. Now, there's a reason for that. There's always been this desire to kind of cut Jesus down to size, you know, to kind of <clears throat> make him fit our mold. Because these attacks don't, they don't even come, they come from even some corners you wouldn't expect. I never dreamed when I went to the seminary that I'd have professors who attacked the virgin birth who ridiculed the virgin birth, who made fun of the virgin birth. As a matter of fact, there was a former, former famous pastor uh, of a large megachurch. His name was Rob Bell. Some of you may have heard of him. Over about 10 years ago, here's what Rob Bell said. Rob Bell said, it wouldn't be a big deal if it were discovered that Jesus had an earthly father named Larry. He said, it just wouldn't be that big of a deal. Thomas Jefferson, in a letter to John Adams, he said this. He said, the day will come when the mystical generation of Jesus, by the supreme being as his father, in the womb of a virgin, will be classed with the fable of the generation of Minerva in the brain of Jupiter. He said, there will come a day when people will laugh, they'll ridicule, they'll make fun. They will even say, can you believe somebody bought that story? Can you believe somebody really believed that a virgin conceived a baby? When Larry King, some of you may remember Larry King, the famous interviewer, <clears throat> when Larry King was asked if he could interview anyone from all of history, who would it be? He said, Jesus Christ. When he was asked, so what would you like to ask Jesus Christ? Larry King replied, I would like to ask him if he really was born of a virgin because the answer to that question would define history for me. He said, if I could ask Jesus one question, I would ask him, were you really born of a virgin? That would be history defining to me. Well, I believe that Larry King was right. I believe the answer to that question is history defining. But I also believe the answer to that question is a clear cut answer. Because here's what you're gonna to learn today. The virgin birth is an underlying assumption of everything we read and everything we know about Jesus. I'm absolutely convinced that the virgin birth is essential to Christianity. And if you understand Christmas biology, you will see why. And by the way, as we look at the Gospel of Matthew, think about this. God could have started the New Testament any way he wanted to start it. Matthew could have started his gospel any way he wanted to start it. Now, I don't know if Matthew knew it or not, but in the providence of God, the very first gospel anybody ever reads is the gospel of Matthew. And it's a very interesting thing that the first chapter of the first gospel begins to talk about the virgin birth of Jesus. And the first chapter of the first gospel claims that Jesus was both human and divine. 
So Matthew is going to tell us three things we believe about this baby that was born 2,000 years ago, okay? Number one, we believe Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. We believe that Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. Now, as Matthew describes the birth of Jesus, he does it in a very unusual way. He says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was placed to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's kind of unusual. If you go back to the first verse of Matthew, you'll find that for 17 verses, he gives this long genealogy of Jesus. He talks about the ancestry of Jesus. Then he comes to the birth of Jesus. He takes 17 verses to go all the way through the genealogies of Jesus. Then he comes to the birth of Jesus, and he takes one verse, just one verse. And he unequivocally states, Jesus was not conceived by the earthly father he had named Joseph. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's an even deeper problem, biologically speaking, because it's certainly not unusual for a woman to conceive and give birth. Women do that. That's what women do. But Matthew and Luke, they don't spare any detail in making sure we understand. This girl was a virgin. She had never known a man. As a matter of fact, back up in verse 16, when Jesus is talking about the genealogy of Jesus, he states this. He said, Jacob, we could put was, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Now, if you go back to verse one and begin to read the genealogy, you'll notice that every person in that genealogy has a father, every single one. Jacob was the father of Joseph, for example. But Matthew does not say Joseph was the father of Jesus. Now, Matthew was written for Jewish people. And if you were a Jew 2,000 years ago, you'd have said, wait a minute, Matthew. You know that in Jewish tradition, genealogy is always passed down through the father and not the mother. To which, to which Matthew would have replied, oh, I get that, I understand. I wanna be crystal clear. Jesus did not have a earthly father. He did not have a human father. He came directly from a heavenly father. Then you go over to a doctor named Luke. He records Mary's response. When Mary is told she is pregnant by an angel, when Mary is told she is pregnant, when she finds out through an angel she is pregnant with child, she asks the question any, of, any woman in this room would have asked. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, there was something that Mary knew beyond the shadow of a doubt. No question about it. There was no human father. She had never had relations with a man. She had never biblically known a man. There was no human father, but it's more complicated than that. When Joseph finds out she's pregnant, Joseph also knows he wasn't the father. Now, he didn't know what Mary knew. He hadn't talked to the angel, but he did, he did know one thing. He was not the father. So here's what we read about Joseph. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me just kind of explain what's going on. Mary and Joseph were engaged. There were several stages to getting married. They were engaged, but they were not married, and they had not had sexual relations. Well, the very first moment that Joseph saw that baby bump, there was one question burning in his mind that would have been burning in any mind and any man in that situation. Okay, who's the daddy? Because I'm not the daddy. I don't know who the daddy is. I just know who the daddy is not. I'm not the daddy. But he also knew the penalty for adultery was being stoned to death. He didn't want anything bad to happen to Mary. So he's just going to privately check out of that relationship. He doesn't want to hurt her. He doesn't hate her. He's not even mad at her. He still loves her, but he knows he's not the dad. So there's one assumption that he made, and it's this one. Okay, Mary, if you're pregnant, whatever else you are, you're no longer a virgin. You don't have to tell me who the daddy is. I don't even want to know who the daddy is. I just know one thing. You are not a virgin, but here's what Joseph was going to have to understand. She was both. She was pregnant, but she was a virgin. She was a virgin, but she was pregnant. Now, again, let me just stop. I get it. Scientifically, you say impossible. Biologically, you say impossible. Physiologically, you say impossible. As a matter of fact, some scientists have, have, have hypothesized that maybe this was an instance of what they call in science, you don't need to remember this term, parthenogenesis. That's a big, big word, but it, you break it down, it's really easy. Parthenos in the Greek language is virgin, and genesis in, in, in the Greek language is beginning or birth, so it means a virgin birth. And in science, there's a natural form of what's called asexual reproduction in which the growth and the development of an embryo can occur without fertilization. There's a problem. Scientists have never seen this happen in a mammal or a human of any kind ever in history. As a matter of fact, there are so many difficulties with this hypothesis that Warren Booth, who is a leading parthenogenesis expert at the University of Tulsa, said this, and I don't even know if the guy's a believer or not, but this is what he said. I've been asked about the virgin birth many times, and honestly, I can come up with no feasible explanation as to how a female that has abstained from intercourse could give a birth to a child of either sex. In other words, what this doctor said was, I know what medicine says. I know what science says. I know what physiology says. I know what biology says. And I'm just telling you, I cannot come up with any feasible explanation of how a female that has abstained from intercourse can ever give birth to a child. However, the question is not how Jesus was born. He was born the same way all babies were born. The question is, how was he conceived and who conceived him? And the clear answer from Scripture, and the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because, and what makes his birth so unique is, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit through a virgin. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was conceived through the Holy, by the Holy Spirit through a virgin. Now, again, I understand you say, wait a minute. 
You're living in the 21st century, dude. I mean, come on. And I get this. When you say this, eyes roll and head shake and mouths laugh. And I understand, you know, look, that's just so hard to believe with one exception. Understand just one simple thing. If you have difficulty in believing in the virgin birth, that really isn't your difficulty. If you have difficulty in believing in the virgin birth, you really have a difficulty in believing in God. Because even Mary, when the angel said this to Mary, when Mary raised her objection, when Mary said to the angel, and she said it with respect, she said, look, how in the world can I be pregnant? How in the world can I be carrying a baby when you know and I know and he knows I've never had relations with a man. The angel simply said this, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. See, here's what you have to decide. If God can create a world out of nothing, if God can create the first man and the first woman with no parents, you should have no difficulty believing that God can cause a woman to conceive in her womb while she is still a virgin and he can be the father. So we, as followers of Christ, we believe that Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. Here's the second truth. We believe Jesus came as the Son of God. We believe Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God, we believe Jesus came as the Son of God. Now, what are the facts so far? Here's the facts. Joseph is engaged to a woman named Mary, but they had no sexual relations. She has had no sexual relations with any other man. As a matter of fact, the problem is a little bit deeper with Joseph because here's what we sometimes forget. In the Christmas story, we usually only talk about one virgin. But there were two virgins. Who was the other virgin? Yeah, Joseph. He was a virgin. He had never had any relations with Mary or any other woman. So here's what you've got. I've got Mary, you're a virgin. I got Joseph, you're a virgin, but a baby is on the way. And the other kind of thing you're dealing with is both Mary and Joseph know now that the baby is going to be a boy. He's going to be A son. As a matter of fact, that fact is greatly emphasized. Listen to how many times we read this word. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Then we read this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that is Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And then we read this, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So Mary and Joseph know now, okay, Mary, you're pregnant. We are going to have a baby. He is going to be a son. But there's still this question burning in Joseph's mind. Whose son is he? And to leave no doubt, 
Dr. Luke comes along and records how the angel made it crystal clear. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So there you have it. Mary, you are the mother of Jesus, but Jesus is the Son of God. Now listen, this is a little bit deep, so I want, I, want, I want to make sure you understand this next point because it's really crucial to understand the whole series that we're going to be looking at. Jesus is not the Son of God because he was a descendant of David, even though he was. Jesus is not the Son of God because he died for our sins, though he did die for our sins. Jesus was not the Son of God because he was morally and sinlessly pure, even though he was, okay? All of those things are true because he was the Son of God. And I have to, it was a great story. Uh, Dr. Rogers, about the late Pastor Adrian Rogers, told this story one time. It's so brilliant, and you'll see why. It's another reason why Dr. Rogers is just such a hero to me. But Dr. Rogers one time got a chance to witness to Muhammad Ali. I don't, he never uh, told how he got the opportunity, but somehow he got the opportunity to spend some time with uh, Muhammad Ali. And he said they were together late one night, it was right before one of his fights, and they were talking about Jesus. If you don't know much about Muhammad Ali, his, his former name was Cassius Clay. He was raised in a very godly Christian home, but he began to study Islam, and he became a, a Muslim. So they're talking back and forth, and about Jesus. And so he looks at Dr. Rogers and, and he said this. He said, now, now, Dr. Rogers, let me get something straight. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the unique Son of God, because he was born of a virgin? And then he said this, because after all, Adam didn't have a father or a mother. So if Jesus had a mother, but not a father, but Adam had neither a father or a mother, wouldn't that make Adam more of a son of God than Jesus? Thought he had it. Thought he nailed it. But a classic Adrian Rogers gave a classic Adrian answer. He said, champ, you need to understand something. Jesus was not the son of God because he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because he was the son of God. And I want you to understand that. You see, the glory of Christmas is the story of Christmas and Jesus was both the son of a heavenly mother and the son of a heavenly uh, human mother and the son of a heavenly father. And let me tell you why that's so important. If Jesus had not been born of a human, if Jesus had not had a human mother, then he wouldn't be human at all. But if he was born only through humans, he wouldn't be divine at all. So if Jesus had an earthly father and an earthly mother, we would say, then how in the world could he be the son of God? On the other hand, if Jesus had had a divine father and a divine mother, we would say, how in the world could he be the son of man? We either question his humanity or we would question his divinity. So let me put it this way. Let's suppose both Jesus' parents, let's just suppose both his mom and his dad had been divine. God plus God. Then we'd have to say, okay, I get it. You are God, but you're fully God. You're not human. And if you're not really human in a real way, 
you can't understand me. You can't really help me. You can't understand what I go through because you don't know what it's like to be human and you really can't die for my sins because God can't die. So if, if he comes only as God, he's no help to me. Well, let's turn it around. Suppose both of his parents have been human. So he had a human father and he had a human mother. Then he would have been fully human. But if he had been fully human, if that had been the case, then he would have been just like us, born with a sinful nature, because just like Adam, everybody is born with a, in a sinful nature. And in Adam, everybody dies. So he would have been a sinner and he could not have been the savior. So if he was God, God alone, he couldn't have died because God can't die. On the other hand, if he's man and he's man alone, oh, he's going to die, but he can't die for me because you would never have been a sinless human being. But his mother was Mary and his father was God because he's not just the son of man, he's the son of God. He's not just the son of God, he is the son of man. And that is why the virgin birth is just as important to the story of Jesus as his sinless life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. So let me just put it to you this way. I'm gonna say this really slow so you'll get it. Jesus came as he did from a virgin to be what he was, sinless. He was what he was, sinless. To do what he did, die for our sins. He died for our sins to do what he did, which is pay for our sins. He did what he did as the son of God so we could become children of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the things that my professor said at the seminary, the things that a guy like Rob Bell said, is hogwash. It destroys the story of Christmas. It destroys the story of Jesus. It destroys the entire New Testament. So taking the virgin birth out, you say, hey, let's just keep the cross. We can even maybe keep the resurrection. Well, first of all, no, you can't. But once you take the virgin birth out, the whole house collapses. So we believe Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. We believe Jesus came as the Son of God. And here's the last thing. We believe that Jesus covered our sins with God. He covered our sins with God. Now, let me just stop point out something to you. Do you ever feel sorry for Joseph in this story? I mean, sometimes I think we get so caught up in the Christmas story, we just don't really care about it. Or even Mary. Do you ever feel for, for Mary? I mean, think about it. Mary's going to have a baby. She didn't ask for the baby. She willingly gave her body for the baby. She did not ask for the baby. It was an unexpected pregnancy. And now she's got to try to make people believe she had the baby even though she's a virgin. We'll talk about that down the road. Then you got Joseph. He's going to have a boy that he's got to feed. He's got to clothe that he did not even conceive. But it gets worse. You ready for this? You parents can, can, can really respect this one. Mary's gonna have a baby she didn't ask for. Joseph's gonna have a son he didn't father. And to add insult to injury, they don't even get to name the baby. How about that one? 
Are you kidding me? Listen to this. She will give birth to a son and you're gonna give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You don't even get to name the boy. I I read the other day about a mother who uh, had to go to the hospital and she had twins. And uh, she was from Yugoslavia. And in that country, the mother's not supposed to leave the hospital until a relative names the baby. Well, the problem was she had had the children kind of unexpected. She had them earlier than she thought. Her husband was away on a business trip. He was in a country where he couldn't get any cell service and she couldn't get a hold of her husband. Well, she wanted to go home. So she asked her husband's brother if he would name the twins. So when the husband got, got back to the States, he was surprised to find his wife had come home. And he said, you know, you're not supposed to leave the baby, or leave the hospital till I get home and I can name the baby. She said, I know, but I didn't want to wait. So I went ahead and had it done. She said, well, he said, well, who named the babies? She said, well, your brother. And he said, well, what did he name them? She said, well, he named the little girl Denise. And he said, well, that's nice. What did he name the little boy? She said, he named him the nephew. Now, I know, it's corny, isn't it? But who cares? The human name is going to be Jesus. No, you don't have a choice. You will call his name Jesus. Now, at first, if you were living back in that day, you'd think, well, that's okay. That Jesus was a common, ordinary name. You do understand, Jesus went to school with other boys who were named Jesus. Jesus knew other boys who were named Jesus. Today, people name their boys Jesus, Spanish way word for Jesus. It was a name like John today. It was a common, ordinary name. Here was the difference. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Yeshua, which is the Hebrew form of the English name Joshua. That's what I named my youngest son. It literally means God saves. And the reason why he, that angel wanted Jesus to be named Jesus was because he wanted, to be, wanted us to, to be reminded that that one name tells us two things about Jesus that the virgin birth confirms. On the one hand, he is a human being with a human name. He came to live among us. He came to be just like us. He came to be one of us. On the other hand, his name means God saves. So he's not just a human like us. He is a God who is not like us. And that's why he alone qualifies to be the one thing that this world needs more than anything else, and that is a savior. Because let me just make it easy for you to understand. If somebody is going to save us from our sins, on the one hand, he's got to be a human being or he can't even die. But on the other hand, He's got to be a sinless human being. He can't die for my sins. He's got to try to take care of his own. That's why Jesus was born like all babies are born, but he was not conceived like all babies are conceived. He was not just a son. He was God's son. He was not just a human. He was a sinless human. He was in no way a sinner, but he was in every way a savior. So simply understand, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, here's all the problems you've got and I've got. If he was not born of a virgin, first of all, you've got a problem with God 
Because what you're really saying is, not even God can pull off a virgin birth. Number two, you got a problem with the Word of God. Because the Word of God plainly teaches he was born of a virgin. Number three, you got a problem with Mary. Because if, he wasn't, if Mary was not a virgin, and if he was not virgin born, then Mary was not that pure, innocent little teenager who never sexually knew anybody because with somebody, somewhere, somehow, Mary slipped up and Mary messed up. But you also have a problem with Jesus because if he was descended not just from a human mother, but also a human father, he's a descendant of Adam. He's just like us. He has a sin problem just like we do. And if the virgin birth is not true, here's what that means. That means the lights of Christmas are extinguished. That means the carols of Christmas go silent. That means the story of Christmas is never even written. And now we understand why we celebrate Christmas the way we do. Now we understand why we do put up the trees and we do decorate them with lights and we do give gifts and we do sing carols and we do make it the most festive time of the year because it all begins with Christmas biology. No one was conceived like Jesus was conceived. No one lived like Jesus lived. No one died like Jesus died. No one came back from the grave like Jesus came back from the grave. And that's why no one, nobody ever will or ever has qualifies to be our Savior except Jesus. But it all begins with the virgin birth. There was a skeptic. He was an unbeliever. He didn't believe anything about Jesus at all. He thought it was all a bunch of junk, all just a fairy tale. There was a follower of Jesus who was trying to talk to him about Christ. And he got on the virgin birth. And he looked at this believer and he said, let me ask you a question and I want you to give me an honest answer. And the, the Christian said, okay. He said, if I told you a child was conceived without a human father and born of a virgin mother, would you really believe me? I mean, come on, man. Would you really buy that story? If I told you there was a child that was conceived without a human father and born of a virgin mother, would you really buy that story? And the man looked at him and said, if he lived the way Jesus lived, absolutely. If he lived the way Jesus lived, absolutely. Jesus was born the only way he could be born. He lived the only way he could live because before he was born and after he was born, from eternity past to eternity future, he was, he is, and he always will be the son of God. So I close with a story from yesterday and it really is the story of Christmas. So I walked in yesterday to our CP sirs and by the way, congrats and kudos to all you who came out yesterday, who went to the apartments, who went to the prison, who, who, who helped serve food, who, did, who helped with the international students, who helped with people who've come from broken homes. You just can't believe all the service that went out yesterday. So proud of our church. But I walked in yesterday and, and I was about to have prayer with all the group. 
And Bruce, our, one of our, our CFO, Bruce Hardy, Bruce walked up to me and he said, hey, I want you to introduce a young man to you. And he, I said, okay. And this young man's name was Uriah. Uriah lives in Tennessee, but he's home to visit his mom. And he said, yeah. He said, he's, he's, he's here today and he's doing community service. Not, not a bad thing. He got a traffic ticket or something. He's doing community service. Good kid. And he said, you know, I really don't quite know where he is spiritually. I said, okay. So I, I walked over and uh, introduced myself to Uriah and we got to talking. And I said, so Uriah, Uriah tell me kind of, you know, where, where are you spiritually? Where, where are you in your spiritual journey? And he said, well, I'm just trying to, still trying to kind of figure things out. And I said, well, you know, you know we're doing this because of Christmas. And I said, I, I know you probably heard the Christmas story. But I said, uh, let, let me just ask you this question. I said, and I think it's the most important question you'll ever be asked. And that is, you know, God forbid, but if we both were just talking right now and you just kind of dropped dead where you're standing, well, what would happen to you? And he said, well, I, I don't know. I, I said, well, what, what do you think would happen? He said, well, I, I would hope I'd go to heaven. And I said, well, what would you say your chances are? He, I don't know how he came up with this number. He said, 80%. I said, that's pretty good. I said, here's the problem. What if you die and the 20% kicks in? It's a good question, right? So you gotta be like thinking. He's wow. I said, how would you like to be 100% sure? He said, you mean I can be? I said, if God's word is true, you can be. He said, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to do that. So I just shared with him, you've heard it, the bad news, you're a sinner separated from God. The worst news, you can't do anything to take care of your sin problem. The good news, Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, paid for your sins, came back from the grave. And the best news is, he wants to give you the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever get, forgiveness of all your sins and eternal life, and all you have to do is accept it. It's free of charge. Shared that news with him. I said, I'm not here to put you on the spot. I'm not here to pressure you, force you. He stopped me. He said, you just said it's a free gift. I said, yeah. He said, I'd like to take that gift right now. So I called Bruce over because Bruce was really the one that got the thing started. I called Bruce over and one of our other guys, Jack, came over and joined us. There's a picture maybe on the web. I don't know. We're all four. And, and so that, that young man prayed and asked his Christ to come into his, asked Christ to come into his heart. So before I left yesterday, I walked down the line and we're all serving food to hundreds of people. I'm thanking everybody that served. He's on the end of the line. So I came up behind him. He didn't see me. I came up behind him and I leaned into his ear and I said, do you love Jesus? He said, I love Jesus more than anything else in the world. He has radically changed my life. Why? Because it all began with a virgin birth. Let's pray together.